definitely trying to meet sellers in person. I think it's one of the biggest reasons why I've done 14 parks in the first year. I've gone the extra mile and I meet these people when nobody else is. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today, Jimmy Johnson. How you doing, Jimmy? Great, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing great as well and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Jimmy. He's the founder of Sand Dollar Communities, a mobile home park acquisition firm. Jimmy has wholesaled 14 mobile home parks in less than 12 months for a total of 471 sites in seven states. He's also partnered on 149 sites across four parks where he helps run the daily operations of those parks. He's based in Tampa, Florida. With that being said, Jimmy, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yep, definitely. Thanks for the intro. So uh, as Joe said, about a year ago, got started in mobile home parks and wanted to kind of figure out how I could provide the most value to the industry and everybody needs deals. So I thought the best route to go would be in wholesaling parks and providing those off-market deals. So I kind of jumped right in and started full-time doing it, working uh, 24-7, just trying to get the parks. And took a couple months to get the first one, but then since then it's kind of snowballed and now just 100% focused on just growing the business and continuing to do more and more deals and just marketing and trying to find the best ones as things get more and more competitive. What were you doing before this? Before this, I was working for a multifamily company, and that was kind of my first experience in real estate. And then once I left there, I had a, a virtual assistant agency where I was connecting entrepreneurs with VAs in the Philippines and sold that and then kind of got started in mobile home parks when looking for something new to do. What were you doing for the multifamily company? Just acquisitions, so helping with the marketing, looking in a database building, working with brokers kind of the whole nine yards from start to finish, from selecting the areas that we wanted to target up into actually closing on the deals. I knew there had to be a competitive advantage you were bringing to the table because I don't know of anyone who has started looking for mobile home parks and has gotten as many deals as you did within the time period that you did having just started out. So that makes sense. Your background was in acquisitions on multifamily, plus you have had a virtual assistant agency. So my guess is, and I'd love for you to elaborate, my guess is that you use some your experience acquisitions for multifamily and combine that with virtual assistant help and that's how you got up and running so quickly. But please tell us about it. You had the nail on the HUD. So kind of pulled some of the experience from both and have done so many so quick, obviously not alone. So I have some full-time VAs that work for me and help. And they do a lot of the admin stuff, especially the database building and just helping with transaction management. 
So definitely piggybacked off of the experience of both. And it's been a great to just kind of bring that knowledge to the table and uh, couldn't imagine kind of having started without either one of those. So it's been a very influential and very helpful. If I want a VA, what's the best way to find one and bring them on board? There's a lot of agencies out there now. It's one of the reasons why I kind of got out of that business. You can go with the more boutique companies, or you could obviously go to Fiverr, Upwork. So I think still the best way is to go to Upwork and post some ads there. And you're going to probably go through a couple dozen before you find that one good person. And it's all about just, you have to have them go through test task. So you want to give them a couple hours of what day in the life of working for you would be. And if you give that to 100 people, maybe 10 will actually do it. And out of the 10, two or three will do it right. So it's slim pickings, but once you have the right person, I've had a couple who have been working for me for years and years now, and they really know all the ins and outs of the business. So it's uh, very helpful working with them. And it's it's funny, they know so much about mobile home parks now, and they don't <laughs> even have mobile home parks, obviously, in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> and what's their compensation? Between 2 and $4 an hour is the base. So I'd hire people that are more in the rural provinces, not right in the city. And then I give them a bonus for every deal closed. That's pretty substantial. So they make a good living there. And what's a bonus for a closed deal about? $500 over a month's salary for them. With your background in acquisitions for multifamily and with having owned a virtual assistant agency, talk to us about your specific approach that you take, or let's talk about when you first started. What did you do exactly to get your first deal and get those leads coming in so you got it? I think just nothing too fancy. It's just the cold calling, direct mail, meeting with sellers. So you have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of who you're reaching out to. So I know I wanted to target mom and pops. And out of the 14 last year, the average age was over 70 of the sellers that I worked with. So you got to think, what does your seller, what kind of marketing are they going to respond to? So they're not going to probably respond to ringless voicemail or texting. These are people who want cold calls and they want you to see them in person. Okay. Well, in order to cold call and direct mail and meet with them and know who they are, average age over 70, you've got to be able to find them. What did you do exactly to put together your database? kind of picked the states and the areas that I wanted to do after doing some research on best places is one of the good websites for metro research. So after deciding, then I would figure out how many counties comprised that area. And then I would go county to county, go to their website. And some of them are easier than others where you could search a list of mobile home parks. Others, you have to call them. So kind of just get in the base list of what are the 100 mobile home parks in the area, just what's their address. And then a lot of them, just due to these mom and pops, if you just Google the name of the park or the address, it's their cell phone number that's often associated with just the Google listing because they don't have a lot of technology and systems in place. It's often them who is answering everything from leasing calls to maintenance. So just kind of calling that way is how I got started quick. And then since then, I've developed some systems with the VAs for different paid softwares and whatnot for doing skip tracing. But one of the easiest, quickest ways and how I got started was just county research and then Googling perks. 
what was the easiest experience finding the mobile home parks in the county? And then can you describe the hardest experience? Yep, the easiest, depending on the state and the county, was just going on their website and you could just search multifamily two to five units or five to 10 units, et cetera. So they had a listing that was just mobile home parks. So that was perfect because it was- It it distinguishes between apartments and mobile home parks? Yeah, as well as commercial and retail and industrial. They just had everything broken out and all you do is download a list. Okay. So a lot of the more tech savvy counties have that. So that's like maybe 30 minutes total to kind of get to that and get the data downloaded. So that's the easiest. And then the hardest was counties that don't have anything at all and kind of having to call them and see what they could provide. And even kind of harder on top of that is the counties that won't provide the data at all and then having to actually go on Google Maps and just search street by street to pick the parks and then Google. And that's a couple day to a week task to get that done. And when you create your database, what are the fields that you input for information? The basics are obviously address and then city, state, zip, the whole nine yards. Always parcel ID number because that's the easiest way to look it up, especially when you're digging deeper into the data. So a lot of people will forget to put that. In addition to that, want as much info about the owner as possible. So whatever corporation they own it in or if it's in their personal name, the husband or wife's name, any partners. And a lot of this you can find on the county site when you're looking up ownership. I want to know where they live because that can always be a talking point. I live down in Florida. A lot of sellers often do, even if it's a park that's in Georgia, I could say, oh, it looks like you live in Orlando. And then that can get the ball rolling for communication and whatnot. So just as much info Google the park and see what's near it, if it looks like there's any new development, or if there's something prominent that's right around the corner, just anything that you can kind of stand out with a talking point compared to just, hey, I want to buy your park, and that's it. So it looks like you don't even have any info. Besides mentioning that the area code is Orlando, so it's, oh, you live in Orlando, is there any other way of saying, I see you live in Florida without acting creepy to them because you've been internet stalking them to get all this information? It kind of depends on the person. A lot of times they're like, how'd you get my number? How do you know who I am? How do you know I own the park? And they're like, I thought it was hidden. And you're like, no, you could look it up in two minutes online. So there's always that kind of creepy right off the bat feel Mm -hmm. if it's like the first time somebody's calling them. But I always just say, oh, we just get it all from county records. It's all public data. And you just notice that you live in Florida, and I do too, and you're down here now. I try and segue it into an in-person meeting, and then they kind of open up more, and they're like, no, I'm only down there in the winter, and I love fishing, and then we start talking about that. So it's really just, hey, it's public records data that anybody can look up. Okay. So that is building the database and putting together the team, but then you've got to actually close on the deal and I introduced you earlier as having wholesaled 14 parks in less than 12 months for a total of 471 sites across seven states. So what are some tips you have for taking it from initial conversation to actually closing on it or in your case, wholesaling it? Great question. So right off the bat, like I said, you want to have some conversation points ready about the area 
especially if you're not super familiar with it, you want to do research, even if it's a new major employer's coming to town, just anything to talk about, or if you have friends or family or partners in the area. So just getting started with those talking points. And then one of my biggest tips is you want to try and meet these sellers with any type of wholesaling, I think, as soon as possible, because anybody could pick up the phone and call, but offering to meet is, I think, very influential. So I kind of started planting the seed right away. You know, hey, if you want to get together in person and kind of talk through the details, because with the park, there's a lot of info that you need from how many park-owned homes, how many tenant-owned homes, if it's private or public utilities. So it is bare minimum 30 minutes to an hour of just exchanging information. So once I kind of have those basics, I then start to kind of come up with my offer, where we have to be, make sure we're in the same ballpark, and then just start pushing for that in-person meeting. Okay, so you mentioned what your initial offer is on that first call. A lot of times they want to know, but I try not to. I think with anything you want the other person to name the price first, just because you never know what's going to be said. But I've been most successful with when that doesn't come up until actually in person, because they see you have some skin in the game. You've took the time to meet with them, where maybe nine out of 10 other people haven't. And then once maybe walking the property or sitting over lunch or coffee, then kind of towards the end, it's, all right, let's talk numbers. And that's when I most suggest bringing up the actual final offer. You wholesaled properties in seven states over a period of first 12 months. How do you determine which people to go fly to meet with or drive to meet with versus not? Another great question. You lose some of them because you get there and they want quadruple of maybe what it's worth. And that's why a lot of people, you want to just shoot off that offer right off the bat. But the ones where I know I'm definitely going is I had one where I was working them for six to nine months and we were talking every week or two and it was, I'll sell next month or I'll sell in a couple months. I'm not ready yet. And then finally something just clicked after six months of talking, the rapport built up and he goes, yeah, I've had a rough couple weeks health wise. I'm getting older. I'm done. Can you meet this week? And I'm like, okay, this park is across the country. I'm down in Florida. I'm like, how about next weekend? And he's like, no, Friday's good for me. <laughs> Thursday. And I'm like, um, how about Saturday? And he's like, no, it's tomorrow. I have bingo on Saturday. <laughs> so I went online as we're on the phone. I looked up tickets to Kansas City, booked a flight, and met him there the next day. So when they're ready, they're ready. And time yeah. kills So you got to jump on it. Yeah, I would hope most people would find a way to get themselves to Kansas City in that scenario. It's more about earlier on, and you answered this, so I guess we want to talk about much more, but how do you determine who do you go meet with and go fly with? But certainly, that was a hot lead, to say the least. Yeah, they're not all wins, though. I drove eight hours. It was two weeks ago. I drove up to northern Alabama to meet with an owner and it was one I was working for a while, thought I had it in the bag and he ended up selling it to a college friend of his. So um, a lot of times the time's wasted, but I stop at other parks on the way and kill a couple birds with one stone or get lunch with some investors. So try and make it where it's uh, four or five things happen and not just a one stop sort of trip. Let's talk about the four parks that you help run daily operations. What is your role? 
two of them are with one partner, two of them are with another. So the one group is much more active, looking to grow. They have, I believe, six parks total. So I've kind of assigned one to them and enjoy doing business together and wanted to kind of keep working together. So we ended up doing two more. I partnered on with them. And with that, they're more turnaround, kind of heavy lifts. So we all play our role. One person's in charge of leasing the property up. Another person's in charge of dealing with contractors. So for that one, I kind of just have my one lane and I'm helping with just infill, bringing homes in, leasing homes, selling homes. And then the other two, it's more with a passive investor. So kind of running 100% of things. They're more stabilized, still value add deals, but not needed for a five person team. So that I'm taking everything from tenant calls down to taking visits to the property and moving in homes and really everything A to Z. What's your least favorite part of managing the operations? I wish they were all closer. I wish I could basically be there more often. So I have one park that's only five minutes away from my house. So that's great. And it's the one that's running the bus because I could be there. Mm-hmm. And then I have another one that's in Oklahoma. And that one, I wish I could be there more. And mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to fly out there for a day just to do something that's maybe not a high priority. So I think when you're not there as often, obviously things kind of fall behind. So really least favorite part is missing out on some of the more day-to-day stuff by being remote. And what do you think is the monetary benefit to the park for you being closer? You mentioned some of the smaller day-to-day stuff that's not as much of a priority, but you said it is operating the best that's one closest to you. So what exactly is it that you're doing that is helping with operations? I meet with my manager there once a week. So it's, I think, just walking through. I park the car, him and I kind of walk. The tenant's see me there and it's kind of not that like fear of the owners here but more of it's more active and there's a presence Mm -hmm. so just kind of less problems less complaints they all know me so it's that and then we just had somebody move out last week and we had a tenant moving in there the next morning Mm -hmm. so it's just quicker turnovers we're doing a small expansion there just easier to manage that we're adding eight homes and So just a lot easier to just pop into the county and do what needs to be done. And the on-site managers do this at the out-of-state properties, but just being able to oversee this one, I think it's running more efficiently. And I work a lot closer with the manager there. He does other kind of side projects at the other parks and he actually travels to them. So it's just kind of better relationships and more smoother communication, just being on-site more often and doing that weekly walk. Do you have weekly phone conversations with the Oklahoma manager? Yep, with all of them. It's a minimum of once a week. So we typically do Friday afternoon, and it works well. And I think it's good for both sides. They like to kind of update and kind of share what's cooking, both good and bad. And then, of course, I like to stay on top of it weekly. So it might be overkill to some. We could probably do it twice a month, but... I think a quick 15-minute call is worth its weight in gold. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Definitely trying to meet sellers in person. I think it's one of the biggest reasons why I've done 14 parks in the first year. because I've gone the extra mile, and I meet these people when nobody else is. And I'm guessing at the beginning, you chose to wholesale just to build up some cash reserves But is that something that you are continuing to do? And if so, why compared to just buying them with a partner and doing it yourself? 
Yeah, definitely. This year, the number one focus is still wholesaling parks. So about double the number that I did last year. And with wholesaling, everybody wants the deals. So just by being the guy with the deals, then you're able to partner. A lot of times people say, hey, instead of the fee, how about I give you a piece of equity in the deal? So I'm building up ownership in multiple parks as well as building up the cash with the assignment fees, learning a ton, getting to know everything from people buying their first park to institutional groups who are buying park number 10 or 20. So it's a great way to just meet so many people in really any market that you want. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. Best ever resource that you use to stay sharp in business? I really like bestplaces.net for staying on top of what's cooking in areas and metros and cities and just the demographic. What's the mistake you've made on a transaction? Time kills deals, dragging my feet on a couple things and kind of letting things fall behind. You got to just stay on top of it and just put in the hours to get them done quick. Best ever book you've recently read? Pretty generic, but four hour work week. Always revisit that one. And I think it's good for anybody in business. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? Super simple, but once in a while, just buy something for somebody behind you in the line at Starbucks. I do it about once a month, and it's always just such a feel-good moment. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? You can email me, jimmy at jimmyjohnson.co, or you can also go to my website, sanddollarcommunities.com. You could reach out that way on top of both of those every day. You came into this business just ready and rare and hitting the ground running. It's impressive how you got 14 mobile home parks in less than 12 months wholesaled. It really is. And, and they're tough to find. They're, as you might know, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but well, yeah. I, I, I know some people in the industry and they have a hard time finding them. And bravo to you. And thank you for going through your process in detail for how you did it. So any mobile home park investor who's listening, they can learn. And I'm sure everyone has an abundance mentality. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I really, appreciate it. Thank you. Really, yeah, really appreciate you being on the show. Enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Right back at you. Thanks, Joe.